You're listening to EVH and Gear TV, brought to you by Design39 Media. Visit design39media.com for all your website, photography, and video production needs. Microphones for EVH and Gear TV are provided by Rode Microphones. An official Van Halen merchandise is provided by vanhalenstore.com. And now, here's your host from Ontario, Canada, EVH artist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, it is the weekend. Happy Friday to you all. Welcome to EVH and Gear TV. We are live. This is not a replay. This is live. You're actually seeing this as it happens. And we're back with one of our most favorite recurring guests. I mean, I'm telling you, man, I don't think I've had a guest on the show as many times as this fellow. And he's become a friend of the family, Mr. Gary Hoy. Gary, how are you? I'm good. Good evening, my friend. It's great to be back. And uh, yeah, you can't get rid of me, I guess. <laughs> nope. Nope. The fans The fans have voted. They've, they've, made, they've made their decision. And it's like, Gary Hoey, when you're going to have the guys back, there's a couple people. I mean, I love all my guests. Don't get me wrong. But there's a few, <laughs> there's a few people that are recurring guests. And, uh, and, and this was not scripted for this evening. It's not on the itinerary. But I want to get your opinion on this. I don't, I don't think I've ever asked you about this before. But Gary Hoey comes up all the time. When's Gary Hoey coming back? And it's like, Okay, I, I, I want to space it a little bit so Gary's got new stuff to talk about. So we every four or five months or six months or something like that. But another fellow up here in Canada is an incredible guitar player. Do you know this fellow named Ian Thornley? I know his name. I don't know him personally. Okay, so do me a favor. And later on, I know you've got things to do tonight. But over the course of the next few days, look up Ian Thornley and look up Big Wreck. And I know I'm going to get a text message after. And you're going to say, Eric, thank you very much. So Ian Thornley is uh, he's, he's one of these guitar players who's a, a cult a cult following where if you if you don't know him you look him up and once you find him it's like oh my god wh- where have I been all my life right so look that name up and you'll thank me later but anyways let's I'm back check him out yeah back to you it's great to have you back we've got a bunch of people that are really excited to have you over here so one of the things I'd like to try to promote on the show here and actually I should say this as well too first we only we've only got Gary for 60 minutes this evening because he's got some family functions that are uh, very very important to to him and to us of of course too so we're very blessed to have that time with you so it's going to be a fast show tonight but the the big thing here is is family and where I want to start off with this is uh this is really cool so you and I both absolutely love and adore this man named Eddie Van Halen right so oh, big time. <laughs> we we dig him. You use his gear. You endorse his gear. I endorse his gear. It's one of it's, my favorites. It's it's awesome. And Eddie Van Halen, you know, in the past couple of years, few years, has had the opportunity, the wonderful opportunity, to play on stage, and watching all the way across these massive stages. He, there's his young son who's grown up and grown up and grown up. Wolfgang, Wolfie, Wolf, you know, whatever you want to call him. I'm not sure what he goes by these days. We'll say Wolf to make him feel appropriate. And Eddie Van Halen's looking across that stage and seeing that son holding the fortress, you know, actually kind of, I, I want to sit, go on the, on the limb and say leading that band. You've had that opportunity watching your young son kind of, kind of get his feet wet, getting on the stage. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, and you, you're, the guitar player you mentioned, his name is Ian, and that's my son's name is Ian. There so you go. I like him already. Um, yeah, you know, the story is this, man. I, I started teaching my son to play guitar when he was about five. And, you know, and I didn't want to force it on him, you know, but I did want to show him some stuff and get him on guitar and kind of let him have fun with it and see what happened. And so I started teaching him how to play like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, you know, and like a little Peter Gunn, you know. One riff songs. Yeah. And, uh, and he started getting into it. And as years went on, he got more into it. And then... Uh, when he was a teenager, he started playing the blues. 
Nice. And then one day he, I went by his bedroom and he's like, Dad, have you ever heard of Stevie Ray Vaughan? <laughs> I'm like, uh, nope, yeah, nope. I think I heard of him. And uh, so, you know, it, we, it started creating a bond with us, with the music, you know. And uh, so on the new album, he came in the studio uh, during a song called Don't Come Crying. And I said, Ian, why don't you throw down a track with me and jam with me a little bit? So we kind of goofed around and I hit record. I didn't really expect to get anything you know i just hit record and he did an amazing job and now he's on my he's actually on the new record neon highway playing on a song i couldn't be more proud i couldn't be more uh you know just beside myself uh as far as a dream come true well we're going to talk about the new record in depth tonight as, as well too but that's a cool thing what you did was the right thing because i've done it here with junior here in the studio as well too i've you know hit start i was like okay let's do let's do something and then when, <laughs> when he knows i'm going to do it he's like he's all on the spot but because you're kind of like you know, just jam and have some fun. You captured the best because there was no pressure. Yeah, exactly. If you say, hey, let's go for a take, it's kind of pressure. But if it's just, hey, let's goof around, have some fun. And we did a few takes and, you know, I, I recorded a few a few takes and, uh, you know, it was more casual and off the cuff. And that's how the record sounds. I love it. That's good. I, I can't wait to hear that one. I, I, you can't see it on camera, but I've still got your other one over here. We'll talk about that one again tonight as well. Too. You were nice to send me a nice signed copy. I freaking love this album, my friend. Oh, th Dustin Bones. Well, thank you so much. Well, I happen to have a copy of uh, Neon Highway Blues. I have a I have a CD for you waiting, so I'll oh, send thank, it to you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, yeah. It's like it, I was kind of I did an Instagram video just before we went live. I don't do Instagram live very much. I don't even do Facebook live because YouTube is my baby, where I'm kind of my comfort zone. But I was yes. talking about you, how I discovered you, and um, I, I don't want to go too far down because there's some, there's something in the itinerary that I want to talk about where where I discovered you 100. percent so I'm going to dance around that for a second. But I just want to say, um, with the Christmas music that you were known for back in the day, it's become, and you know this as a fact, but some of our new fans may not know this, Christmas does not begin here in this household. Uh, forget about the tree, forget about the presents, forget about the decorations. It's like, okay, are we in the Christmas mood yet? Well, where's the Gary Hoey, ho, ho, hoey stuff? Then we put that on, and all of a sudden, okay, now we're ready for Christmas. So it's, <laughs> it's become a staple part of the family here. And if anyone hasn't discovered that, I don't want to certainly, we're just getting into summer, so I don't want to put a damper of Christmas and snow. We just got out of that. But check out that for sure. Yeah, it's a big part of my world, man. Christmas music is, uh, it's an honor to be a part of your Christmas. And uh, for those of you that don't know, I mean, 20 years I've been doing it. And I loved uh, reinventing holiday music. And man, it's, uh, it's, it's still an honor to keep doing it. So thank you. No problem. No problem. And it's, it's so nice. It's, and that lets us connect, and not just us, but fans in general connect with you on a different level because you're speaking to us and you're, you're actually... I don't want to go. I don't want to go down and make you know put you on the spot and embarrass you, but I mean like your your memories about people's Christmases have you in it, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Part of part of people's traditions. Uh, yeah, man, it's incredible, and uh, I'll continue to do it, man. It's just a lot of fun. I love it. And and the crazy thing is like, what else le is there left for you to do? Like, I mean, you've you've covered. Like, would you just want to do different spins? I mean, are there is there music you haven't explored in the Christmas style yet? Yeah, there's actually uh, about six or seven songs we've been recording um, that we haven't released <laughs> of the 40 songs that I recorded already. Um, there's a few. Uh, I have a really nice version, that, which I might even send you a, a rough mix of before we get it out. Is, nice. Uh, I did a version of the Nutcracker Suite. Oh, that'd be great. Okay, so that kind of, you. I think you'll dig that with a drop tuning and, oh, and yeah. kind of that bum 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 but heavy. Yeah, oh, yeah for yeah. sure. 
I'm still struggling with Grinch. I'm going to learn that. I'm going to might I might hit you up on a Skype call one time when you're off the road and give me a couple of pointers. But that's awesome. So oh, let's I'll do. Love you. Let's do this for a quick second. Let's jump over the chat. We're going to blow through this chat really fast and say hi to a bunch of really awesome people. And when we come back, you can think about this for a second. I want to talk about Ian again for a second. You're Ian, uh, not Canadian's Ian. And I want to ask you if uh, you know he's following dad's footsteps in gear. And I think I know some of the answers to that, but we'll talk about that. So let's go say hi to a bunch of great people. Uh, Ibanez G1 says, I've had the pleasure of seeing Gary a number of times. Not only is he a great guitarist, but more importantly, he's a great person. He always makes time for his fans. Pure class act. And I know that firsthand. That's a true story. Guitar oh, Hack. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Guitar Hack is my very good friend here in Canada, doing a wonderful thing on YouTube. Love him to death. He's here as well. Uh, Stephen Hurd, another uh, a cool friend I met through my other show, Kramer Corner. Uh, it's so cool how we meet these awesome people through guitars. Jason Wade is here. Gary uh, Gary Hoey in the house. RJ the Mad One. Carlos Santon, Canadian uh, counterpart, and my good friend over here, Will Varela. Charles Green. Todd, aka Soda Pop. Um, let me see. Continue down the chat here. Um, let me see. And I, and if you want to, have, if you have a really good question for Gary, please tag me at EVH and Gary TV Network. I know it's harder if you're on a mobile device. If you're on a computer, it should come, pop up pretty easy. And I'll do my very very best to ask Gary your questions. Wally in the box is here. Old guys guitar vlog. Terry Himes. Gary Holt. My buddy Gary Holt introduced me to Gary Kramer, uh, which was a great experience. Very very nice. Cool. Nice time. Um, let me see here. Old guy's guitar vlog. I think I mentioned that. Bob A.N. Uh, continue down. Justin Lentz is here. Justine Lentz, I'm sorry. You know you know her. Justine Lentz. Yes. Yeah, she comes out to your shows. Uh, Scott Connor. Let me see here. Stephen Hurd, I mentioned him. Okay, now my, my chat has frozen for a quick second, and I'm going to try to refresh that, and I may have lost it. I hope it hasn't. Oh, there we go. All right. We're going to come to the back bottom part of the chat. We're going to go backwards because that's going to be much easier. Evan Ward is here. Uh, Frank C., let me see here. Brad Miller is here. Uh, AD, ADZ, I have a hard time saying this many times. A, AZD, whatever. It's, uh, Gary, I saw Gary many times at Gibson's on Mill Ave and, and Tempe, Arizona. Hocus Pocus. There you go. There's a blast. Very, very nice. Love uh, that one. Yeah. Uh, Terry GGNG, one of our moderators and good friends, is here as well, too. Uh, I'm going to scroll backwards just a little bit more. Uh, let me see. See if I missed anybody. I hope I haven't. Keep in mind, we're going to come back and talk about uh, Ian's gear in a second here. Brian Lott is here. Uh, we have a great Lars guitar is here. Mark Dark, Jim Dales, Krellbar. Hey, Gary, saw you open for Brian May in 93, opening for opening for Brian May. Let's talk about that for a second. Now, watching, I mean, this is unrelated to you, but watching that that uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, biopic, I mean, I just, I, I loved Freddie Mercury before watching that show. I loved it. What was it? You, I did not know you opened for, for Queen. Well, well you for, know, Brian May, uh, for Brian May, for Brian May. Yeah, Brian Brian did uh, a tour, Back to the Light was the album he had. He was Back to the Light tour. And, uh, yeah, after Freddie had passed away, he wanted to go out on the road. And uh, it was actually right after Hocus Pocus came out, you know, when I had had a, a hit on the radio with that and kind of my, I guess it was my first breakthrough album. And uh, I got a chance to open up for him and do, you know, some shows uh, in the States and then he invited me to come over to Asia and do some stuff in Japan. And and we played some shows over there. And man, I'll got to tell you, he, you know, I couldn't have met a better guy in the beginning of my career because I was just breaking. And to watch him as iconic as Queen was, the way he treated his fans, um, 
You know what I'm saying? Uh, traveling around, you know, Tokyo and everything and seeing the way he treated people, took time for everyone. And when I was backstage, he comes in my dressing room. And he goes, hi, I'm Brian. <laughs> you know, he's like six, four. Yeah, he's like I don't hair. know you. I'm like, uh, yeah, I think I know that. Um, and then he was just so gracious and nice. And I think it really helped me to, you know, kind of keep my grips about how to treat people. And, uh, you know, good lesson. Well, I, I, it was amazing. I love the movie. I know. And I'm seeing some people co- comparing the Dirt Motley Crue movie, which I loved a lot, too. I mean, you know, everyone has different interpretations of, of uh, biopics. I love the Motley Crue one. And they're saying that blew away Bohemian Rhapsody. But I, in just my personal opinion, I was like literally, and Junior and I watched that together. We were almost in tears. I mean, it was very emotional, very, you know, the impact it had on that. I mean, it just made me love the band so much more. But yeah. what, what reminds me. They're two different things, though, I think. Oh, you know, they I are. Think. Completely, completely. You can't put them in the same thing. Nope. And where you remind me, this, I'm really glad this Brian May conversation came up because you remind me a lot of him in, in, in this way because the way you connect with the fans. I watched. Because uh, and actually, I've been in, in touch with uh, Brian's people as well too, and I'm, I'm trying so hard to get him on the show. And actually, we, there's correspondence, so it could happen someday. They're about oh, to take off. Oh, and tour. Yeah. Dude, thank you. Please, that'd be great. I, I I'm, don't feel do anything. I'll come. I'll come and cut your grass. I'll do your dishes. I'll you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll whatever. I'll, <laughs> whatever you need. But I have been speaking to him. But here's where I where um, I want to compare the two of you is that you really care about the fans. And I watched an interview where Brian was. This is probably 20 years ago. And Brian's talking about Rory Gallagher and how, you know, he would go see Rory Gallagher play. And some of these places he'd come up to, he'd get to be at the front of the audience, whatever. And sometimes there's like, you know, at a club, maybe 15 people, maybe even only five people at the end of the night. And Brian would stay around at the end of the night and he'd say, hey, like, I really like your stuff. And, and Rory talked to him and we like, you know, treated them as a person, not as opposed to just a ticket sale. Right. Yes, and people remember that. And just like last time you come on the show, one of my good friends, Pedro Samp, was on the show. He's one of your big fans over in Europe, and you treated you treated him like a king when you're there. And people remember that. Yes. Well, you know, you got to treat everyone the same. You know, when you meet people, I mean, we have a common thread. You know, it's music, and you know, and and music and guitars, and you know, whatever connects us, uh, I think is important. You know, and when you meet people on the road, it's Nice to meet people that, you know, are gracious and, you know, treat you, uh, you know, with respect. And, and it goes a long way, you know, both ways. It does. Now, without naming names, I mean, you know, even though you're a guitar hero to many people, you have guitar heroes. Have you, and again, I don't want to mention names, but have you ever met anybody? I'm sure you have along the way that you're really looking forward to that opportunity meeting and then all of a sudden, oh, wow. Has that, have you ever been crushed? Yeah, I mean, of course. You know, every everyone's been crushed by, you know, one of their idols at some point. You know, and for me, I mean, everyone has heroes. You know, Hendrix had their heroes. B.B. King had his heroes. So you have your people you idolize musically. You know, what people do in their personal life and what they do as a person, sometimes you have to separate the art from the person. You know, some people are really nervous. Some people are introverts. Some people, you catch them on a bad day. You know, but you got to be forgiving. You know, you got to kind of, like, let people ride. But I have been disappointed. Uh, and when it happened to me when I was a young musician... It kind of helped me realize that, you know, if I did become somebody that, you know, people wanted to talk to, that it is important to to give someone 40 seconds of like your your undivided attention and, uh, you know, say a kind word or just lift them up with some something that's going to make them get excited and motivate them. Because where I'm at is where so many people want to be as young musicians. They're looking at me. Right. And I, and I used to look up at other musicians and go, I want to be there someday. 
So if you can say a word of encouragement or, hey, man, you, you know, you got a great style or you've got something special, it might give them a little motivation to keep going or to just think that they have something special. Because everyone is unique, man. It's really about putting the time in and the energy uh, that's going to get you there. It's not magic. You know, it's hard work, too. I agree. And something I've done here on my show, because 95, 98% of the stuff I do on this channel is all live-based content. Now it's interviewing people like yourselves and other artists. And then the other you know, couple percent is I'll do live jams and things like that. And I've caught myself a few times saying, you know, like I'll be playing something and I, you know, we all have our off days. I, I mean, I have probably way more off days than someone like your caliber would have, but I have off days. And the first thing I'll do is I'll say, you know, okay, I suck or that sucked. And I started to kind of psychoanalyze what I was saying. And I was starting to think that, you know, maybe some young kid, some 12-year-old kid comes and watch my show sometime because it's family-friendly. And maybe he or she's just learning how to play guitar. And they hear me say that I suck. I'm thinking that's not a good thing to, to promote because the level of talent may be higher than the next person. And if you're just saying that you suck, it's not being a good role model. So I think that's a nice balance to have as well, too. Don't, don't get an ego. But at the same time, you never know who's coming up to see what you're going to do. And you always want to be a positive enforcement for that. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, you know, when you say, you know, someone sucks, I mean, you know, um, everyone's level of suck is at a different level. Right. Of okay? course. Yeah. And, and when you're playing music, some days it's a, it's not only is it an emotional thing, mm -hmm. but it is a physical thing. You know, your hands, when you're playing music, there's tendons, there's muscles involved. You get tired, you get fatigued, whatever it is. And some days you just don't really feel good and you pick up your instrument and you feel like you're walking through mud. You know, you feel like you're just struggling. And some days you pick it up and you feel like you're flying. And and I think that relates a lot to like weight training. You know, when you work out, you try to get in shape, you know, after a while your muscles just burn out, you know, and you get tired and you need a kind of a break. You need to go to the beach. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to like do something, get away from music and then come back the next day. Um, I have trouble taking days off because, you know, I, I'm kind of in the middle of touring and recording. So I'm kind of always grabbing my guitar. But some days I don't feel, you know, I don't feel that great. I know. know. And the best thing is, is putting it down and coming back. And that would, that, you know, if you had like kind of a temper tantrum with the guitar one day, the guitar is not speaking to you, you know, uh, or maybe you're not speaking to it or you're just, you're at your wits end with each other. You come back and all of a sudden you kiss and make up and it's a pretty great experience as well. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And then, then it's all good again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll jump back to the chat for a really quick second, just because there's a lot of great questions. Quentin James is here and a great player. He says, Gary freaking Howie, how cool, how cool is this? Um, let me see if I miss any other. Terry Himes, Quentin, Jeff T is here, Carl Barcel. Jason Wade says, does Gary still have or even use his 11 rack? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. My 11 rack is actually sitting right there. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see it, but we got it. That's great. Yeah, it's sitting right there in the, in the rack. And uh, yeah, it's really awesome, man. I still uh, I still turn that on and sometimes we'll find like a really unique sound that'll just inspire me when I'm writing and recording and uh, and I'll incorporate incorporate that with the amps. Uh, you know, because I'm kind of sitting under my studio, which is a, the top of a two-car garage. <laughs> so underneath the floor is a lot of cabinets that are being mic'd up. Uh, so I kind of do a combination of that, but yeah, I still love my 11 rack, man. Good. And we have a question from RJ asks, is there going to be a Halloween scary album in the future? I asked this question of Gary at winter Nam 2013, just wondering if he has changed his mind. You know, um, I've been approached a couple times, you know, doing like holiday music mm -hmm. and, uh, ho, ho, hoey. Now they want me to do like the scary Gary album or something. Uh, not sure. So it could come, you know, we could do like the Munsters theme. We could do 
Well, I already did Frankenstein. Yeah. You know, by Edgar Winter. Uh, I already did a remake of that. And uh, but there's a lot of stuff we could do, I think. So I think it might be coming. I don't have a concrete thing yet. That's good. Well, that's nice. Lots to explore for sure. Uh, Thomas Santiago is here as well too Scott Connor says all the cool kids are here tonight and uh, Old Guy's Guitar Vlog says just wanted to say hi to Gary Hoey been a fan since his bug alley days so we got some long term uh, fans for sure I appreciate that yeah Bug Alley man that's a great album um, memory for me because I remember having Brian Setzer guest on a song on that record and that's that album uh, you know, was a very important record to me because I worked with Roy Thomas Baker, who produced Queen, as mm-hmm. we were talking about. Yeah. And he had, a, he had a studio out in Lake Havasu in the middle of the desert. And he said, Gary, I'll produce you only if you let me spend three months making the record. Okay. And I said, what do you mean three months? You know, and he's like, well, we're going to do it. We're going to do this and that. And I'm like, OK. So I went out to his studio and it was really the most amazing experience uh, for me as a producer as a musician to work with someone like that, I learned so much and that, that could be a whole other show in itself. But, um, I wrote this song 45 minutes before I was heading to the studio. I wrote this song that goes. I wrote a song called peace pipe, you know, that on the way out the door and uh we got to the studio and it ended up you know on the record and did one of our one of our biggest songs off of that record nice and, uh, came at the last literally the last minute that sometimes that's one of the greatest things isn't it or sometimes right on the floor sometimes you're forced okay maybe we should but we should put in something else on here and all of a sudden look what comes out of it well what happened was roy thomas baker called me on the phone i had sent him a bunch of demos and he goes he goes gary you know, I'm not hearing that big majestic melody. We need that song that has that giant majestic melody. And so he pumped me up so much to, to try to come up with a good song. Yeah. And, uh, and Peace Pipe is one of my favorite songs to play still. Now, just, just out of curiosity, what were you running through? I know we're talking through the internet right now, but that sounded very warm. What are you running through right now? I'm actually running through. Uh, I'm running through the EVH Stealth right now. I got the Stealth. Going. All right, there you go. All right, that's perfect product placement. <laughs> yep. That sounded nice. That was really nice and warm. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a good sound. It's, I'm on the uh, I'm on the first channel right now with the gain down pretty low. You know. pretty nice it's beautiful nice nice well nice to have some evh tones for sure and speaking of which let's now jump back kind of to that we'll come back to some more people in the chat in a second as well too and we're going to talk about something really really cool evh i don't even know if you know about this i'm going to surprise you with this in a minute and it might be kind of a balloon that gets popped because you probably already know about it but more importantly than that let's talk about ian is he following dad's footsteps with gear is he doing strats is he doing evh what's he using for gear yeah, my son Ian is—he's uh, basically, you know, pretty much stealing a lot of my guitars at this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people haven't seen me play my flag guitar, you know, which was a John Cruz custom shop build. Yeah. Um, because my son, you know, decided he really likes the way the neck feels, so I haven't had that guitar for a while, and I'm happy to let him play it. Honestly, I'm joking. Um, and he's, he's, he, I have, you know, you and I have talked about, it. I have four EVH heads, you know, I have, I have two, uh, hundreds and I have a, the stealth and I have a 50 
And Ian usually plays through one of my amps. Nice. And a lot of times when he comes on stage, he literally like just takes my cord, you know, <laughs> and, and just takes my entire rig. And I end up like with a little combo amp on the side. Yeah. So uh, he likes my tone. And he, um, he's always like, Dad, I want your settings. So he's an EVH fan because, you know, that's my that's pretty much my uh, my main sound. Well, it's it's DNA, right? He was born with it, whether he liked it or not. He was born with the EVH DNA. Yeah, it's in his DNA. Um, you know, he still comes in the studio and plays through some of my other amps. Like, I have a couple cool Vox and Fender amps that he'll plug into. Um, but, you know, he, he knows what sounds good now. I noticed that. His ears are pretty good. Like, when we go and jam sometimes and different amps come up, he's like, yeah, that doesn't sound as good as, you know, your amp. And, and I say, yeah, that's all right. You know, you got to make it work when, you know, once in a while. That's right. Well, good. That That's great to hear. And as you know, too, I mean, you always ask me about Junior and stuff like that. We're talking about him off the air, and he's the same way, too. He's kind of commandeered all my guitars. And there's a few times I'll commandeer some of his guitars. He's got this beautiful Eastwood Airline, uh, the 59 3P. It's got three three humbuckers in it, Bigsby on it. And, man, I changed Bigsby strings for the first time in my 35-year career playing guitar. And, okay, I thought I, I've done it all. I thought I've done it all. And I invented new swear words for changing <laughs> strings on a Bigsby. And then I watch it. So what I did, clip, 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 clip. I cut all six strings off this Bigsby. Then I watch a video, how to train, how to change strings on a Bigsby. Step number one, don't take off all the strings at one time. Curse words. Yeah. But it's so cool. I'm so happy to see you guys bonding like that, sharing the tones and all that kind of stuff. And here's a good question. Speaking of the EVH amps, then we're going to talk some crazy EVH stuff and then come back to the record. Carlo, uh, uh, Sandin here in Canada, wants to know which of the EVH amps do you prefer? Now, I mentioned, I know you mentioned the Stealth, and as you can see behind me, I have the first gen when Eddie first went to Fender with the, and I know you've used these two, uh, the 5153, that's the, the Ivory one, not the Stealth. There's the Stealth, there's the, there's the first gen, the Stealth like you have, and then the EL34, is, which was your favorite? And there's no wrong answer here. Well, you know, it's um, what I'm learning. This is what I'm learning. You know, I my main amp is the same one that you're using behind you, which is the the original one when Eddie, you know, the 5153 when Eddie went to Fender. Uh, I have two of those, and those are my pretty much my main touring amps. Um, and then the 50 watt, I fly a lot with because it fits in a flight case and it's under 50. It's just right at, right around 50 pounds, so Perfect. you can actually throw it in a flight case, and it it actually flies. I have to knock on wood. It flies amazingly well. Um, you know, I, I can't believe how many times I've flown it and it works when I get there. Um, but what I've found is the Stealth, lately I've been going back to kind of playing with the Stealth a little bit in the studio to explore some different sounds. And I'm finding out it is sort of a different animal um, of the uh, compared to the other amp. And I'm finding it works really cool in, in a different way. It's, it's overall, it's more high gainy and it's yeah. a little more intense of an amp which is really fun uh, to play with. Like like the second channel right now, I don't, I don't know if you can hear this over the thing, but it's like... It's got a really like great saturation yeah. to it that um, the other one doesn't quite have, and it's got a, like a... Uh, like, you know, it's got a really great... Like just incredible sustain, and yeah. and the gain's not even all the way up on that channel. So I noticed that. You know, it's great. And then the red channel. Yeah. 
It's pretty nasty, man. That's mean so as I'm, hell. I'm falling in love with the, I'm falling in love with the stealth, having some time to sit and really play with it, and it's got a great um, glassy kind of attack to it. So I'm. Um, I haven't been using it live lately, but uh, I may. I may bring it out. So I don't have a favorite at this point. That's good. Well, that's, that's a good answer. It's a, it's a very unbiased answer, and that's a good answer for Carlo. So thank you for asking, Carlo. And let's talk about some EVH stuff for a second. So after we talk about this question and maybe ask a couple, uh, say hi to a few more people in the chat, with the tour with the new record right now, which is kind of the big thing we're going to talk about tonight, you're going to be in New York next month. Have you heard about this Play It Loud exhibit over at the Metropolitan Museum over there? I have not. Okay. Dude, I don't know how much time you have when you get over to New York. I'm not sure how much time you have, but it's I got I made some notes. It's the uh, Play It Loud Instruments of Rock and Roll at the Metropolitan Museum. And one of my good friends here in the chat, um, I, I, he's here somewhere, Adam Reaver from FU-Tone. FU, FU Tone makes all the cool brat. You know all about all that cool stuff. Um, yes. He, he had, had a little bit of a, well, I shouldn't say a little part. He had a big part in this. He, it's not open to the public until the April 8th, I think, which is Monday. And it runs through October, but uh, all the kings of guitar have stuff there. And we're not talking replicas. We're talking about the real deal. Now, this is what you're going to love. And I can, I can say a couple people right off the bat you're going to want to see. Um, Eddie Van Halen has his red, white, and black Frankie there. Now, we're not talking the Fender replica. We're talking about the where is this guitar on planet Earth, the guitar. Okay? Oh, that's awesome. All six of Eddie's 1978 Marshalls stripped down to the bare wood. Four, the four, uh, three, uh, three, four twelves in the bottom square, the three top slanted, the World War II practice bomb. I don't know both if that's a replica or not. Adam could comment on that, but the guitar is real. The cabinets are real. The original pedal board. There's a replica of the black and white striped guitar because, of course, you can't have a black and white one and a red one. One of them has to be a replica. All the tape machines on the back. Jimmy Page's stuff is there. Adam was actually hanging with Jimmy Page. It's you got to go see this. So I don't care what you have to do itinerary wise, book that and go see it. And please let me know your thoughts on it. I'm going to make a trip. I'll make a separate trip just to go see that. I don't even care. I'm, I'm very excited. You got me very excited. I know because you'll be right there. Like it's behind glass and there's going to be guys with guns on you. Um, you know, make sure you don't see because I, you know, I'm sure you're going to want to bring that guitar with you. But you know what I mean? It's, it's going to be an experience that you'll never, ever, ever forget. Well, I'm going to try not to get arrested, but, you know, I'll uh, I'll definitely try to see, you know, if they let me plug in and just, you know, play a couple of riffs or something. <laughs> well, the cool thing is, you know, like you look back at these, uh, you, know, I, you know, there's all these conspiracy theories about the lunar landing and stuff like that, the man on the moon. And I believe in it, although I do believe in the conspiracy theories that it never happened. And, you know, the cool factor is, you know, you'd like to be photographed in the lunar lander, you know, that, hey, look at me, I'm, I'm wearing Neil Armstrong's boots, but I would much rather be photographed you know, being right next to the Frankie man or like these cabinets. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, the conspiracy theories aside, did that happen with the moon? Can anyone say that that uh, world tour of 1978 didn't happen? No, no. I think it's going to be amazing exhibit. When is it open? Uh, I think it starts on the 8th and it runs until October. So you'll be there right in the prime time. Okay, great, man. I can't wait. Well, let's jump back over now to the record, which is obviously bringing the tour, uh, you know, which is brought, you know, we just talked about that. And fortunately, we had a nice little small little window in the tour hole. Um, let's talk about the brand new record. Tell us all about it, uh, the making of it, uh, you know, some of the, the great players, including your son, and uh, what inspired it? Yeah, uh, the new album, you know, was uh, about a year and a half in the making, uh, Neon Highway Blues, it's sitting right here behind me, and uh 
I'm very excited that it's out, and uh, you know, it, it entered number two on the uh, Billboard Blues chart. So we were very thankful for that, and uh, you know, people responded really good to that. We, um, you know, for me, kind of making a commitment to the blues. You know, the last few albums and trying to kind of fuse the blues and the rock. You know, the way that I like to do. Uh, you know, has been a bit of a challenge. You know, because to me, the blues is a uh, it's a simple style of music, but in some ways, it's the hardest kind of music because um, it's more of a, about the performance. So making this record, I just kept going back and listening to like Albert Collins and B.B. King, Stevie Ray and Albert, Con you know, all, all the, the heroes of mine. And then I kept reminding myself, OK, don't forget Gary Moore. You know, don't forget Eddie Van Halen. Don't forget the people that kind of made you rock in the first place. You know, mm -hmm. so when I say that, if you listen to this record, it has everything from you know, slow blues, just, you know, you know. With me and like a guitarist named Josh Smith. Uh, Josh is an incredible guitar player uh, that guested on that song. He's, I met him on the Joe Bonamassa cruise. We were doing the cruise and he was hosting the jam and I got to meet him and play and I just went, oh man, you're incredible. You need to play on my record. And he, when people hear the song, uh, it's called Mercy of Love. He just, uh, you know, really brings it to an, uh, an incredible level. Uh, Eric Gales is also on the first single that we put out called Under the Rug. And Eric Gales uh, is one of my favorite guitar players. Again, you know, I've known Eric since the 90s. And he's, uh, he's just a phenomenal player uh, and a great guy. And he played on a song. He played on like a funky track. It goes... It's kind of like a funky, groovy song with the 16th note bass. And then I put in like a Jeff Beck kind of like a riff, you know. You know, that old school kind of Jeff Beck sound. And then Eric Gales just plays this solo that's mind-blowing uh, and, and made me go back and redo my solo. You know, after, <laughs> after he played his solo, I was like, hold a minute, you know, uh, I got to redo it. Yeah. And then, and then there's my son on Don't Come Crying, which, you know, was uh, just a, an honor to have him on it. It's just amazing. Um, and then Lance Lopez uh, from Texas is a great friend of mine. And he played on a song called Damned If I Do, Damned If I Don't. Um, and the way that I write music, you know, which is how I wrote this album, is I come up with songs. I come up with grooves. I come up with riffs. Then I start to develop the songs. And then over here... I have song titles and I always write the music first, but during the year I'm always writing down titles that could potentially be songs. Sure. And I have this list kind of going. And then I, and then as I'm writing music, I listen to the music and I say, Hey, what does that music sound like? And then I look over here and I go, mercy of love. Yeah. That's that a works. And then I had this riff, um, like a drop tuning thing. It was going like, you know, really like shuffle heavy groove and uh and i had this song title called damned if i do oh that okay that's cool and i thought damned if i do could fit with that and uh and that was a song that lance lopez played on and uh he did an amazing job just you know really brought a great flavor and i think when you do a blues album it's nice to have special guests 
because yes. you know it, it kind of brings it to another level and uh so having those guys on it was was a real honor and uh the record's been getting a good reception you know you never know until it gets out you know if people are going to like it or not and this one's been getting a good response i've been seeing that and two things I want to say about, you mentioned Joe Bonamassa and a couple other things throughout that whole uh, conversation there. Two things I want to say. Number one, uh, and I'm not afraid to admit this, when you play guitar, I mean, just a riff, I, I want to cry. I, in, in the most positive way. Your guitar is very emotional. It connects to us, on di- it connects to me on different levels. And it, and it doesn't make me hate you as being a better guitar player. It makes me want to be a better musician myself. So that's very inspiring. That's beautiful. Be- beautiful. Number two, you mentioned about the Billboard uh, Heat Seeker, so you're doing well on that. But if, if I'm correct, with the iTunes charts, weren't you in number one spot and Joe Bonamassa in number two? Well, yeah. Well, we hit number one. Uh, we hit number. We did hit number one on the Blues iTunes download chart. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, Joe Bonamassa was number two, which – for me, is is just a nice thing to see to see me and Joe next to each other, and to see other people that I know in the same top ten, like Walter Trout and Eric Gales and everybody. And uh, you know, and and by next week, Joe will be back to number one. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, here's what it is, man. It's for me as an artist to even get into the blues world and have people accept me as a blues artist and even get on the blues chart was it was an incredible uh, achievement, accomplishment for me and my team and everybody. So. That was just uh, a blessing in, in, in every sense of the word. And, and the other thing I want to say about this album is I worked so hard on this record. And the times that people were pushing me to say, get it done, get it done, get it done. I didn't get it done. I said, no, it's, it's not done yet. We need to make it better. You know? and, and so to musicians out there that are saying it ain't done yet, take that extra time. man, because when you come out, you only have one shot you know, to make an impression and you only have one shot for all these people are going to work so hard for you to either get on the chart or not get on the chart. So, you know, know when you when you're putting out your best work and just take the extra time because it's better to be late and be with something you you you're happy about. I agree with that a thousand percent and I think I asked you this one of the last times you're here. I mean, that's that's beautiful, but how do you know? How does one know as an artist, okay, um, okay, so I, let's talk about painting. Okay, my last touch of green. Okay, now I'm done. When do you know when you're done? I, I don't think you ever do. You must feel it probably. Yeah, well, you have to when you when you're done is when you you know you basically kind of find a balance between putting down your emotion and your performance, and then not not perfecting it to the point where you're you're ruining the 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 essence of where you're at. Okay, the reason they call it an album is because it's a moment in time. You know, when you make an album, this is where you were at that moment in your life. It's like when you went to the beach and you went to Maine on vacation and you took back, you know, you look at the photo album of, of, of 19, you know, 1998 and you go, oh my God, I remember that time in my life. You know, that's exactly where you were, man. Whether you were goofy, yeah. whether we wore weird clothes, our hair was weird, you know, that's where you were at, at that moment. And when the next record comes to me, like, if you just go in the studio and people just go, you know what, man, I'm going to lay down where I'm at right now, then then don't, you won't struggle so much and you'll just kind of let, let that accept where you're at vocally, musically, and then, um, you know, don't perfect it too much because that's where you're at. You know, it's not, it might not be perfect, but honestly, people are going to hear the personality and the character more than perfection. And then what you need to do, though, is if you have a vision of where you want it to be, don't stop until you hear that vision. If you go, man, I could do that better when you wake up the next day. Do it. Try to make it better. 
there's a song on my new record called um, Almost Heaven. And when people listen to that song, Almost Heaven, I, I, I recorded the melody five times because I didn't get it quite right. It just wasn't where I, where I was happy with it. I wanted it to be a certain thing. So I kept re-recording it. And, and sometimes you have to do that, you know, to get it right and then go, okay, now, now I'm where I'm at. And, uh, and then at least you can live with it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, very well said. Good, good advice for people, you know, knowing when to draw the line and not when to draw the line. So very good to know as well, too. Um, it's something else I want to ask you as well, too. Like, I mean, right now, if you continue with blues for the rest of your life, I mean, I think fans, your fans and new potential fans would be thrilled with that. But do you think, like, do you do you foresee yourself down the road going back to some shred guitar stuff as well, too, in a mix of both, or is is blues your new happy comfort place? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I think absolutely. I think I'll I'll be doing some different things, and uh, you know, this record I tried to, I tried to put in um, more of my rock side and more of my instrumental side. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know. I still feel it still burns inside me, I guess, you know, even doing the blues. Um, there's a song on my new record um, called Waiting on the Sun. And, it, you know, the, the way the guitar goes in the beginning, it's a really simple song, but it has that like, uh, it goes on. that kind of old school guitar melody mm-hmm. uh which for me is not really blues you know it's more no. just what what i did as a guitarist i didn't hear blues in that at all i, I felt i uh, felt real emotion and that could be taken anywhere uh, but just certainly i didn't feel the blues right and, and and maybe the blues you know is in there somewhere but that side of me um and even the song i wrote uh it's called it's called uh, almost heaven it has a intro it's like you know it has a uh uh. And then when the melody comes in... It's, it reminds me of Gary Moore, that old just, you know, that kind of rock uh, power ballad, I guess you'll call it. You know, the funny thing is, it's funny that you mentioned Gary Moore, but I mean, we could throw some other names in here as well, too. You could, and this might be a shock, but Ingve Malmsteen, people always look at him and say, like, okay, it's always the shred stuff, but he has some beautiful, beautiful, simple, simple melodies. And yes. I, it's, I'm so flabbergasted by this being a blues record and don't people should not judge a book by its cover because I don't like blues. Some people don't like blues. I don't like country. I'm not a real country fan. Um, but we need to like stop the, the judgment and have a listen and like, Oh my God, what did I just hear? That was something else I would have never expected as blues. Now put the band in the mix, put some, you know, different contacts into that. It's going to sound a little different, but man, oh man, we're hearing naked tracks right now from you through the internet and it just sounds like incredible. Thank you so much. Well, you know what? It, to me, you know, if you have a melody, you know, if you have a simple melody 
that you can play or, or, or a riff that's going to really give you the signature of what you're doing. Um, don't, don't be afraid to mix the blues and the rock, you know, because to me, like, um, there's another song on the record that reminds me a lot of Zeppelin. You know, I really loved, uh, you know, Zeppelin always had that, those kind of riffs, you know, like... You know, so I have a song, it kind of goes, um, it goes. And then it goes. You know, and to me, that reminds me even of Van Halen, you know, some of the old Van Halen kind of riffs, you know. Um, so I'm trying to incorporate that. And then I grew up with Black Sabbath, so I have a song that goes. You know, and it's got that old kind of, you know, Led Zeppelin, you know, where the band's just rocking and I'm going, uh, you know. slide in there and it reminds me of kind of the old zeppelin sort of stuff you know where it's just grooving and uh and there's a lot of room for improvisation so to answer your question i am shredding on this record okay. on some of the songs i'm really putting in a lot of the shred um and then other songs i'm being more traditional okay i'm gonna i'm gonna call you out on something here uh i think you lied that you, you're, this is a blues record, just so you can get a rock record into Walmart. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I, I snuck my my uh, my rock album into the blues chart. <laughs> this is crazy. This is crazy. I mean, you're crossing so many boundaries. I mean, this, and that's a, the funny thing is because I'm a rock guy through and through, and I, I like blues. Uh, I love blues, but I don't have the the vocabulary in my brain of blues. Like, I mean, I love the Steve Ray Vaughns. I like Buddy Guy. I mean, I could go on and on, but I don't have the vocabulary like I do on rock. And you're, people like you are a blessing. And I, wanted, I don't want to kind of go too far on a tangent, but you know, like you, you look at these favorite, uh, famous sports celebrities, and I'm going to go back some many years showing my age, but like the Joe Montanas of football, they make you love football because of that quarterback. The Michael Jordans in basketball, they make you like the sport because of that guy. And I think you're one of the people, um, one of several, many, but make you like the blues because of you. And you can bring in this audience that may not, discover it because well i heard gary do this rock stuff and he does the santa stuff it's pretty cool now he's doing some blues what's he doing and all of a sudden you brought some new fans in and i think that's a blessing to the industry thank you so much man you know i i just i i hate to have boundaries you know um as an artist you know i i i just don't want to keep limitations on myself and um you know i love to i love to take people on a journey with music you know take them to different places and uh you know, and explore different things. And, um, you know, one interview, I've, I've been doing a lot of interviews lately for the new record, and when someone asked me, they said, Gary, you know, do you think, you know, being all over the place with what you've done in your career from Christmas music to, you know, um, you know, surf music, heavy metal, instrumental rock, uh, now blues, uh, you know, do you feel it has hurt your career in any way by being so diverse and, and, and changing? And I told them, I said, you know what? It's, it's, there's two things I did it for. One is because creatively, 
I have to keep myself excited about doing things and I, and I get excited by taking on new challenges. And number two, sometimes I had to change directions to survive in this business for 30 years. Of course. You know, sometimes if something's not working, you got to go, you know what, maybe we need to readjust things a little bit and try something new. And so sometimes it was, you know, it was almost survival, you know, to, to just survive and keep going. That's right. That's like businesses, like because music is a business. It's fun to play guitar, but it also pays the bills. You got to travel. You got to keep the lights on. And uh, if, if a business doesn't want to explore the new new technology that's coming out, like I'm a web developer for a living. If I don't want to explore what's coming tomorrow or the next month, whatever, you know, I might as well shut the doors and, and call it a day right now. Exactly. And, and what I mean by that is, too, is evolve, you know, evolving. Yes. You know, I don't mean you have to panically jump ship and no, no, but embrace. Stay, stay true to what you do. Yep. And 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 don't follow trends because if you stay true to who you are, you know the wave will hit you when the time is right in the in the industry. Um, but yeah, I always try to learn new technology and just you know evolve as a musician. And uh, you know if your career is not happening, look at yourself and say, hey, what can I do? You know, what can I do to make myself better? What can I do to make my music better? Um, you know, and maybe that will change your career, you know, and, and uh, by just working a little harder on what you're doing. That's great. And you've been a success with that as well, too. So, you know, uh, hats off to you for that and continued success for sure. We're about uh, nine minutes away from the end of the end of the program. I want to go and say hi to a bunch of people here real quick. Uh, Chad Husky is jumping in saying a fun show and off the air. I was telling you about these very guitars that uh, Junior and I have from Line 6. Chad Husky is one of like one of the all knowing burritos on the Internet when it comes to um, very actually great guy. I'm very happy to have him here. Blimpus is here. Uh, I'm going to scroll down a little bit further down just to say hi to a bunch of people that jumped in late. Um, let me see here. I didn't see the name, but I heard my good friend, Ban- my new friend, Bandrew from Podcast Stage, uh, a, a YouTube channel that I absolutely love. It's so it's so funny because people think that we don't like you as a guitar player. You don't listen to other artists, of course you do. And people like when I'm running these YouTube shows, I don't watch other things. I do, and there's a lot of people that inspire me. A lot of them are actually watching right now. I love their stuff. But this young fellow, um, he runs a show called Podcast Stage, and he interview he interviews he um, demos microphones and reviews. He's a musician as well too. We've kind of made friends and stuff like that. It's uh, so I'm happy to have him tuning in. He's about to hit 100,000 subscribers on YouTube here, like any day. Uh, so I'm hats off to that dude, man. And we'll have him on the show here very soon. Let's continue down a little further here. I just want to make sure I'm not missing anybody. Uh, there he is. He says, uh, Hey Eric, nice to have you here. I'm blessed. Thank you so much. Um, Bob Ian. Um, and I've lost my chat and we've only got about eight minutes left. So let's do this. Let's talk about, so you've got the tour underway right now. You've got a fantastic tour booked. Oh, Guitar Hack just donated a $10 super chat. Thank you, Guitar Hack. I'm looking at the wrong camera. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, I'm going to pay you that back. Uh, but this this is a great community. And I knew for I knew for a fact having you back on the show was going to be a blessing. You never cease to admit to amaze us. And we could put guitar aside, just talk about f- uh, family stuff. And we always have fun. But what's coming up next for you after the tour, are you doing any more like the, uh, you know, the um, the school, not, not the school of rocks, but the things that you do, things like that? What's coming up? Yeah, we have a few things coming up. Um, I, you know, the, the, this album, we're going to be touring quite a bit on uh, Neon Highway Blues. Um, if people go to GaryHowie.com, we have a, a lot of dates already. We're heading heading to Texas next week. Then we'll go into some places we haven't been to in the middle of America, like Omaha and Lincoln uh and you know nebraska some places that we haven't been to in a while um and we're going back to california a couple of times this year and we're going to be hitting pittsburgh high pittsburgh 
So, um, we're, and, and I'm coming to Toronto for Guitar Workshop Plus, which I got to tell people is a is a six it's a six day guitar course that is one of the most affordable, really just cool uh, weeks of playing guitar. And I'm one of the special guests among other really great special guests. Um, and I'm going to do Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp in Las Vegas in June, uh, which is a four day amazing music camp where people get to hang out with us and play music and then get on stage. I'm going to be um, at the Blues Bender in Las Vegas for people that live there in, in September again. I'll be out at a big festival. And you know, Eric, it's funny doing the blues now and, and kind of getting into that genre. We're getting asked to do blues festivals and we're getting asked to do, you know, more of that kind of world. But at first we weren't getting a lot of calls. You know, with sure. the Gary's a shredder, you know, he's yep. not a blues guy. So we we you know we do love blues and we have a few blues records now so we're getting we're getting some of those calls but uh, I truly do love going out and playing at the blues festivals the audiences are, are really cool um, you know and you were talking about getting into the blues and everything and it's just they love when we do the long jams you know they really appreciate that so there's a lot of shred lovers in the blues world for sure and it's such a blessing because. Now these blues festivals that are going on, they're getting sometimes getting further and further away from blues. You know, this yes. is if you can play a couple licks, we'll we'll get you in here. Do you know some? You know whatever. <laughs> but the cool thing is, a lot of them are real traditional as well too. And I've got a good friend here locally. He goes by the name of Og Alex Pollowick, and he's a, he runs a, a band called Moondog Howlers, and he's blues, blues, blues through and through. And they're doing some <laughs> local, you know, small Canadian town. Uh, blues festivals. I mean, they are. I, I mean, I saw the video because I put together a website for them and a CD and all that kind of stuff. And just to see the crowds, I mean, they love it, absolutely love it. But well, I guess what my point is saying at these festivals, you're in there as a real traditional, real blues player. You you got your creds, you've done your time, you you play the blues, but yet you can bring in these other fans now too with the to, oh, discover your back rock catalog and the Christmas stuff and all that kind of stuff. It's it can't be a better blessing for you as an artist. Well, you know what? It's it's like anything. I'll tell you this. If you go down a road and you go, you know, I want to do this because I'm excited about it and I'm passionate about it, then people will believe what you're doing. And when, I've been playing blues my whole life, man. Every album I've ever done, there's always been a, at least one blues song on it. You know, it's always been in there. It's just uh, making a commitment to say, OK, I'm going to take on that genre was a challenge for me. But the fans, I'll tell you, man, when I get out there and I do some of my Robin Trower type stuff that I do from Deja Blues or I do, you know, stuff from some of my older albums that still has a lot of rock in it. Mm -hmm. Those fans go crazy, man, because they grew up on Deep Purple and oh, they yeah. grew up on Led Zeppelin. And, you know, when you hear Black Sabbath and you hear, you know, there's bluesy riffs in Black Sabbath, you know, it, it's just kind of depending on where you're coming from. So the blues audience is, is nice. It's a nice, wide, diverse uh, taste. I love that. Agreed. Let's spend the last minute because I, I want to let you go even earlier than t uh, than ten o'clock, and I'll tell people why in a second. We'll just say hi real quick to the last few people. So, podcast stage Bandrew says, "Thanks so much, Eric. Appreciate y'all. Really awesome hearing you chatting guitar. I don't hear this stuff frequently in my day to day, and this is like hanging out with a couple buddies. And that's kind of the thing I like to try to portray with this show. Sometimes people say, "Oh, you're going to do sixty minutes or ninety minutes. I'm scared about that, and then they realize it feels like thirty, and they're connecting with their fans. Like you feel like you're sitting on your couch in their living room." Uh, Carlos Santon says I need to find out when Gary's in Toronto Nocturnal Butterflies posted the tour dates uh, Wally in the Box just ordered Neon Highway CD from Gary Hoey's website thank you Gary Hoey we got a sale fantastic thank you uh, My Junkie says thanks Eric and Gary this was awesome uh, Terry says Rockstar Camp I remember uh, Rick from Fawn Stars went to <laughs> something like that uh, let me see last couple comments here let me see here um, <laughs> I think we're probably down to almost to the end let me see here 
Uh, yeah, I think we're probably close enough to the end. The reason, folks, why we're going to wrap up tonight at 60 minutes as opposed to 90, we always try to uh, tell you people here on the show that, well, we don't have to tell you this. You know this. We're a family here on the show. We keep it family friendly. There's been a few times where we've had a few guests drop an F-bomb here or there, and sometimes we have to blacklist the videos. But this is a family-friendly show, all about family. The people over in the chat, that's why we encourage people to jump in the chat and participate because it's all about family. And there's, I like to do 90-minute shows and run them, like, bam, stop them at 90 minutes. But when someone tells me, someone like Gary Hoey or any other guest, well, I've got family over tonight. We're, it's movie night. Would you mind if we cut a little bit short? There is zero question. And uh, we have, I have, I, I, there's two minutes left. I only want to take a minute of your time. I want to say goodbye because I want you to get that popcorn going. I want you to watch. What you, she, wants what, to watch Netflix, she wants to watch Netflix. She's home from college. What can I tell you? What are you going to watch? You know what? It's up to her, man. She's, you know, what's really funny. My daughter's 20 years old and she's a junior in college. Yeah. She loves, honestly, she loves the funny, goofy Disney animated movies. And she <laughs> likes like the Smurfs. You know, and 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 the little movie with the the kids with the spiky hair, um, the trolls, you know, whatever. Yeah, the trolls, dolls, yeah. and stuff. And she loves like Disney and all that stuff. So it's going to be some like you know animated film. I already know. That's that's absolutely fantastic. All right, we have uh, one minute left. I'm going to say goodbye to everybody, and I hear footsteps coming down the stairs. And you know, Junior loves you as much as I do, so he's going to come and say goodbye to you off the air. We're going to get you ready for a movie. So everyone, thank you so very, very much for your time tonight. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for all the great people that tuned in. I promise you, this was going to be good, and I hope I didn't disappoint you. I know I didn't. Gary didn't disappoint you. This was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, and tune in. Make sure you watch the channel here for further announcements of great guests. Gary, don't go away. I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air. And until thank next, you, thank you so much for what you do because you do an amazing job. I mean that sincerely. Keep doing what you do, brother. We love you. Oh, thank you. I'm going to cry. Thank you, buddy. Don't go away. I'm going to say goodbye. And Junior's going to come say hi to you. Everyone, you rock. See you real soon. Have a great weekend. Be safe out there and enjoy. Thanks, man. I'm going to go hang out with my daughter, my wife, and you guys have a great night. Eric, thanks so much, brother. I love what you do. Thank you, my friend. And I'll, I'll get your address still. Is it the same? It is still the same. Yep. I'll, if I don't have it, I'll double check with you. No problem. Thank you. I'll look forward to it. All the best, guys. Thank you, buddy. Have a great night, brother. You too. Cheers. Bye. Hey, Care TV and Eddie Van Halen fans. If you are like me, you find the time to read books difficult. Why not have it read to you? Grab one of three critically acclaimed Van Halen audiobooks like Van Halen Rising by Greg Renoff, Running with the Devil by Noel Monk, or Everybody Wants Some by Ian Christie, available right now from Audible. Sign up for a free trial with zero obligation to get any one of these three audiobooks today. You can cancel if you wish after your trial membership expires and keep the book there are many other great titles to choose from as well. Links in the description below, but just remember audibletrial.com slash TV. Click the link below and go grab your first free audiobook. Thank you for listening to this edition of EVH and Gear TV. This episode is being brought to you in part by VanHalenStore.com. Shop VanHalenStore.com for the largest selection of official Van Halen merchandise and memorabilia. Be sure to check out our website at evhgeardiscussion.com for more updates and follow us on social media.